0: You took us by the hand. We thank you, God. We give you all the glory, all the praise on this Wednesday night, God, with your people. And we thank you for what you're doing in this house, how you're moving, Lord. We are ready. We are ready for you to speak tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Give him praise one more time. Well, happy Wednesday. It's so good to be with you. My name's Allie, and I get the honor of sharing the word with you tonight, and I'm ready. Are you ready? I'm ready to preach, and you know why I'm ready? Because I've got fake lashes on tonight, so my ladies in the house, I got the lashes, which means I'm ready to preach, and today I was putting them on, and just wait. This is good. I was putting them on, and I was about to stick them on, and it fell into the sink, but they're magnetic. So they caught on to the faucet, and it stuck to the faucet. And I was like, oh, that's so funny. So I just grab it, and I go to put it on again, and it falls again, and it sticks to the faucet. And God said right in that moment, the word you're going to share tonight is going to stick in people's hearts, just like your eyelash stuck to the faucet. And the word says, the Bible says, he will use the foolish things to confound the wise. Amen. So, we're not messing around tonight. Amen. We're going to stay standing for the reading of the word. John 11. John 11, verse 1. Read it with me on the screen. It says, now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha, Some of us know the end, but the middle part is what doesn't make sense. All of this makes sense, right? The name Lazarus literally means the one God helped. And Martha, Martha's the doer. She's the cook. She's the chef. She prepares for Jesus. She makes the mortgage payment on time every month. And Mary's a good listener. Mary sits at the feet of Jesus. Everything makes sense. They need Jesus to come. They need his help because Lazarus is sick. It all makes sense until the next verse. The next verse says, Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. He loved them, so he stayed for two more days. It doesn't say he loved them, but he stayed as if he couldn't come meet them. He loved them, so he stayed. For two more days, he loved him so he didn't come when they wanted him to. Tonight's the title of this message is Expectation Frustration. Expectation Frustration. God, I pray over this word. I pray that you would use me as your vessel, use me as your temple to deliver the word for what your people need. God, bring about the kind of faith that makes a difference. Lord, we thank you that you are here and with us. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. 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 Well, you may be seated, Bridge fam. You may be seated. Turn to your neighbor and say, expectation, frustration. I don't know if you have realized, but in the past few weeks, in the past month, when Pastor Landon has started talking about coming to church with an expectation, something has changed. Have you felt that? Yes. That something has changed, something has clicked in our hearts, in our minds. When we come to church with an expectation, an expectation that God is going to show up, that he's going to be here, that he's going to heal us, that he's going to speak a word to us. When we come to an, come with an expectation, our faith arises. Amen? Because when your faith gets an expectation to it, Your miracle is on the way. And we know just by the signs and miracles that are happening literally every day, the miracles that God is doing, we know that he is working. And we've seen it this week. And we know that coming with a holy, righteous expectation is good, right? Having that expectation is good. But what happens when our expectation gets frustrated by our experience? Because sometimes... God doesn't always show up when we tell him to, right? When we say, God, this is my timeline. This is when I should be doing this. This is how my life should look. This is how my marriage should look. This is what I'm expecting, right? And sometimes God doesn't do it like we want him to. He sometimes doesn't show up in the way we think that he should. So then our expectation can get frustrated. And we have an expectation Of God, But we have an expectation of people. We've probably had expectations of spouses, of our friends, of our family. When you walk in a room, you have an expectation how everyone will treat you, how they'll see you, right? I had an expectation a few weeks ago, about a month ago. Josh, our worship director, he has a beautiful truck, and he loves his truck. He is a really good steward of anything he has, and he takes very good care of this truck. So he went a couple weeks ago to go lead worship in Texas at Oaks Church. So when he was gone, I was like, oh, I'm going to take his truck, and I'll go get it washed because the outside was a little dirty. So I was like, I'll go get it cleaned, and I'll take good care of it, and I'll get his tire pressure filled because he needed to do that. And by that, I mean take it a discount tire, right? So I was like, I'm going to do all these things for him. This will be so great. He'll be so thankful, right? Right. So I do all that while he's gone, and then he comes back. I pick him up from the airport, and we're going to pick up his truck. And I parked his truck differently than how he parked it. So he noticed that someone had driven it, and I'm, like, pulling up, like, you're going to notice, right? Like, I washed your truck. And I'm so excited, and he notices that someone drove it. So he goes, trying to remain really calm and collected, as he always does, and he says, who, who drove my truck? And I said, I did. <laughs> and he responds and he goes, why? And I said, because I went and got it washed. I got it cleaned. I filled your tire pressure. And we just looked at each other and started laughing because we knew that was not how I expected it to go. That was not what I thought his response would be, right? People will let us down. People have let us down. And I'm sure every one of us can feel that because people aren't perfect. They will let us down. We know our God will never let us down. He'll never leave us. He'll never forsake us. Amen. That he will always show up and always be there for us. But sometimes not the way we think in our flesh, in our mind, on our plan, right? The way we think that it should look. And this is the situation in John 11. Mary and Martha had an expectation, for Jesus to heal their brother they knew him as the healer so they thought he should heal and they had perhaps labeled him because they thought that was all that he could do was heal so when the healer doesn't heal who is he they needed Jesus and they had a reason to expect that he would show up that he would drop everything that he was doing and come right to them Martha even told the messenger she said make sure you say right the one he loves Tell Jesus the one he loves is sick. So they had the expectation that he would come right away and heal their brother. They had the expectation. And it goes on. I want to kind of summarize this story because we don't have time to go over all of it. But I encourage you tonight to go read all of John 11. There is so much. Literally every time I read the story, God would show me something new and reveal something new. So read it when you get home. But to summarize it, Jesus said that they would stay two more days, and then he told the disciples, let's go back to Judea, and they have a conversation, and then he tells the disciples, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm going to go wake him, and the disciples don't get it. They think that he means literally sleeping, and they say, no, 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 Jesus, Lazarus, we're going to call him Lazzy, that's his nickname, okay, Lazzy, Lazzy is sleeping, that's good, let him sleep, sleeping will help him get better, and Jesus says plainly to them, no, Lazarus is dead, and I'm going to go get him, so then they go, and the next verse, Thomas, oh, Thomas, Thomas is also known as Didymus, so he says, he's so dramatic, and we'll call Thomas Diddy, okay? Because we got Lazzie and then we got Diddy. So Diddy, Diddy is dramatic Diddy. He literally responds, and he says, let us also go that we may die with him. He says that to Jesus. He says, let us also go that we may die with him. I'm like, Jesus just told you that he's going to go wake him up, that he's going to go right they knew that he was dead so sometimes that's us we don't need to be so dramatic amen Amen. when god is saying i want to use you i want to do this i want to heal you i want to speak to you and we say no jesus me how could you do that through me right say don't be so dramatic diddy turn to your neighbor say "Chill chill out diddy chill out we don't need to be so dramatic In verse 17, the next verse, it says they found out that Lazarus had been dead for four days. Four days, and then verse 19, it says many Jews had come to Mary and Martha to comfort them in the loss of their brother. And as we read that, I want you to think and realize that we need to be careful about who we surround ourselves with as we wait for our miracle. Because people will agree with death much quicker than they'll agree with life. These people that surrounded them, amen, they said, we will mourn with you. We will agree in death with you as you wait for your calling to come to fruition, as you wait for your marriage to come to pass. Who are you surrounding yourself? Who are you allowing to speak into that situation? Amen. Because it makes a huge impact. It's so significant, because I wonder if that messenger that came, that Martha had sent, right? Jesus told it very plainly. He said, this will not end in death. He didn't say, maybe it won't end in death, but he said, this will not end in death. And I wonder, did that messenger take it back to Mary and Martha? Because he had to come back alone. Jesus didn't come. Jesus stayed there for two days. So maybe the messenger came back and said, I don't, I don't know. He didn't come back with me, but he said it won't end in death, right? I just wonder, because they surrounded themselves with people that agreed with death. And I want you to take that home tonight, to allow people to speak into your life only that will speak life, that will speak truth into your life, that will not agree with death, but they will speak life. And it goes on. So Jesus has now come to the scene. He's arrived, and it says that Martha went to Jesus and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. If you had been here, my brother would not have died. And they have this conversation, and he says, your brother will rise again. And then she ends it. She says, yes, Lord, I believe you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who has come into the world. And they have this amazing conversation. And then she goes and gets Mary. And Mary is at home. And in 1130, verse 31, it says, When the Jews who had been with Mary in the house comforting her, notice how quickly she got up. They followed her, supposing, expecting, she was going to the tomb to mourn. The people had an expectation on her. The people expected that she was going to go mourn, that she was going to go to the grave. But instead, where did she go? She went to the feet of Jesus. She took her frustration to Jesus. And people will think that you'll stay addicted. People are going to expect that you will never amount to anything. People may expect that you're not going to go anywhere, but people They don't have that rule over your life. Amen? Even though they expect it, you need to say, no, 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 I'm going to Jesus. They thought they knew. Amen? They thought they knew where she was going. But she said, I'm not going to the grave. I'm going to Jesus. They thought, the enemy thought you were going to stay silent. The enemy thought you weren't going to keep growing your faith. They thought you were going to stay in those generational curses. But you're saying, not today, Satan. Amen. Not today. Because I don't follow their expectation, but I will go to the feet of Jesus. Mary took her frustration to Jesus. And she fell at his feet. And it says that she wept. And she went to what was alive, not what was dead. Amen? She went to living water. She took it to Jesus. And she said the same thing Martha said. She said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And then verse 33, it says, Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had also come were weeping. And he was moved in spirit and troubled. And he said, where have you laid him? He asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. And verse 33, Jesus wept. Jesus wept. And they probably thought, wait, you're supposed to be God. You're supposed to be the one drying tears, not crying them. Who really are you, Jesus? What if everything you think we know about God, what we've heard about God, is actually only the silver lining? that there's actually so much more because he will weep with you in a situation that he could have prevented because he is all compassion and all authority and he is so much more than we even think. There is so much more because it will be a challenge when we hear people describe God as the healer and then when he doesn't heal, who is he? Who is he personally? Who is he in our life? And we can miss the entire basis of faith because our problem is we want to define people. We want to define God. We want to define ourselves. But the danger is that we label God and we think we know everything about him. And in verse 36, it says there's two perspectives we can see happening here. After Jesus wept, the Jews said, see how he loved him. See how he loved him. And then the second perspective, but some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? There's two perspectives. They labeled him by their limited experience of him, of what they had heard or seen. And they labeled him because all he was was the healer to them. So when the healer doesn't heal, right? But he's so much more than that. And they labeled him by the limited experience. And we know that God is the healer and that he can do all things and that he rules over everything. But they limited him. So then they didn't know what to believe. If he's only the one that opens blind eyes and your eyes of your brother don't open. And it could have been stopped. It could have been stopped. Jesus could have stopped it. God could have stopped Jesus from going to the cross. Jesus said, if, you, if you're willing, right, take this cup from me. He could have called down an army of angels. He could have stopped it. The disciples wanted him to stop. The disciples had an expectation. They wanted Jesus to stay with them. He, they didn't want him to go. Peter said that he, Peter wanted to stop it, right? And Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. Because if the disciples got in what they wanted, there would be no cross, no redemption, amen, no forgiveness. Because God knows a better plan. God knows the better will. He has a better plan. And that's what I felt God put so heavily on my heart tonight is for us to tell God that even if he didn't, Even if he didn't, I would still praise him. Even if he didn't do what I wanted him to on my timeline, that I would still worship him. That even though my life isn't where I thought it'd be, when you're 20, when you're 30, wherever you're at, that even if you think it's not what it should be, what you were expecting, that God is still good. That we would still worship him because he's worthy and he's beyond all of our thoughts and anything we can imagine. Because the God, I know he will weep with us in any situation. So how do we deal? How do we deal with expectation, frustration? Like I said, we have to realize that God's will and God's ways are not our ways. That his thoughts are not our thoughts. In Isaiah 55, verse 8 through 9, it says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. I want you to write this down. Sometimes God doesn't meet our expectations. Sometimes God doesn't meet our expectations because he wants to exceed them. Because he wants to go beyond them. Because he knows his ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. And he's saying, No, you're actually thinking too small. You're actually thinking too limited. I actually want to exceed that expectation. I want to go farther. I want to take you more than you can even imagine. He wants to exceed our expectations. And it's what we do in that frustration, in that season of waiting, that will determine how God can use us. It's what we do in that waiting. That will determine how God can use us because God is working in us. And sometimes when we get frustrated, then we become our own God. And we say, oh, well, forget his way, right? I'm going to do me, you do you, boo-boo, and we're going to do it our own way. I'm going to follow my own path. I'm going to do what I want to do then. If you're not going to show up, God, I guess I don't need to go to church. I don't need to do that because in faith we sometimes think it's an equation. Where if I read my Bible at this time, and I do this devotional, and I go to church every week, that that will equal God answering everything I want. But faith is rarely a form of manipulation. And God is not moved by manipulation. Amen? Faith is a mystery. Faith is a trust. And there's a book about five love languages. And I don't know if you've heard it. There's a book about the five love languages. And I started thinking about that and thought, what is God's love language? What is God's love language? And I thought, I felt like he said, his love language is trust. His love language is trust. Because he just wants us to trust him. Because we're not going to see every step of the path. We're not going to see every way and everything that he has. We sometimes have to take a step of faith and trust that we know that he has the best in store for us. That he's leading us and he's guiding us. He wanted Mary and Martha to trust him. He wanted Mary and Martha to trust him. And one of the best leadership quotes, it says, The number one way to eliminate frustration is to communicate expectation. To communicate expectation because unsaid expectations will breed resentment. And that resentment can turn into bitterness, and bitterness, you can be bound by bitterness. And we don't, I don't wanna be bound by anything. I don't know about you, but I wanna be free in the name of Jesus, not have resentment or bitterness. But we need to speak freedom, amen? Like that song said, hell lost another one, I am free. Hell lost another one tonight because we are free, because we are not letting that frustration take us further from God, but actually go to his feet and take the frustration because it's easy to say, oh, I'll communicate expectation with my spouse and it's not easy, I'm sure, but it's, you'll communicate expectation with family, communicate expectation with friends. But God wants you to communicate with him. He wants you to talk to him. Just talk to Jesus just like you would to your family, to your friends. He wants us to go to him because God won't give us something that our character can't match. Pastor Landon spoke a perfect timely word at our young adults on Monday about new levels of favor, new levels of blessing. And he said, until you're grown enough, until you're strong enough, God's not going to give you something. Because if you're just going to drop it, it's not your time. And you have to be grown enough. You have to be strong enough. Your foundation has to be strong enough because God will give it to us when our character can match it, when our foundation can match it. The things that we're praying for that he hasn't answered yet, that he hasn't given yet. Continue to stay faithful. Continue to grow that foundation. Continue to grow up, to not be dramatic. Amen? Amen. To continue to trust God. Because the more we think we can control outcomes and control our life and control expectations, the more frustration we will have the more frustration we will have because Jesus just wants us to trust him, to give it to him. In John 21, verse 25, it's the last verse of the book of John. It says, Jesus did many other things as well. If every one of them were written down, I suppose that even the whole world would not have room for the books that would be written John says, I can't tell you everything he did. There's so many miracles. There's so many things that he did that we can't even write about all of it. He said, but I told you enough so that you can believe. I'm telling you enough so you can believe. Moses asked God, who are you? And he said, I am. That's it. He said, I am. I can't tell you everything I am. I'm just going to tell you enough so that you can believe. He doesn't show every step. He doesn't show every path. But he will show us enough so that we can believe, so that we can trust. Because the moment we think we know everything about God, we will label him. And when you label him, you will limit him. And if we can categorize Jesus, we don't have to trust him. And he's saying, trust me, you will not know everything. You won't know every step of the path, but trust him. He wanted Mary and Martha to trust him. And as I close today, I want to read you verse 39. So Jesus wept, and then they went to the tomb. They went to the tomb, and he said, take away the stone. And Martha said, but Lord, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad odor, for he has been there four days. That's the second time that they've told us he's been dead for four days. And there is always purpose in details. So they said that for a reason, because in that Jewish culture, in the tradition, they would teach that after three days, the body was fully dead. Before those, in the three days, they didn't believe that the body was completely dead. So once it hit four days, there was no hope. There was no hope. That's why they were mourning, why they were weeping, why they were crying, because they thought that there was no hope. They thought that there was no hope. And in that climate, in Israel's climate, that it would have smelled so bad. With the heat and now being dead four days, you can just imagine the stench. Martha was embarrassed. She didn't even want Jesus to roll away the stone because she said the odor will be so bad. And then in verse 40 it says then Jesus said, "Did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God." Could it be that God waited until there was 4 days of death so that nobody else could get the glory, nobody else could know, there could be no confusion, no doubt. Because there was only Jesus. It could have only been Jesus. And maybe God has you in a fourth day situation where you feel like there's no hope, where you feel like, man, I'm just going to stop praying for that kid i'm gonna stop praying for that family member there's no hope left people said stop studying for that test stop trying anymore your dreams are never gonna come but god is waiting to show up on the scene to say man i've waited so that i can get the glory so that there won't be any confusion no doubt so that god can show up and that he gets all of the glory This story, I hope, inspired you and challenged and encouraged you to trust God because we will always have a frustration. And God actually told me expectation is frustration is better than no expectation because it's better to be frustrated and take it to Jesus than get to the point in life where we aren't asking God for anything, where you don't expect anything. We should never get to the point where we aren't praying for someone to be saved, where we aren't praying for God to do a miracle, for revival to come in our city, for God to do the miraculous. We just have to trust him and bring our extra, bring our frustration to him, to come to the feet of Jesus and to give everything to him. So stand up with me. We're gonna pray to close. God, I thank you for your people. Open your hands. Open your hands to receive. God, I thank you, Jesus, that you are speaking right now to your people, God, that there is frustration, there was bitterness starting to take root. God, wherever there was resentment, Lord, that you are breaking that down, God. You are cutting that down. You are the gardener, and you are so close, God. And you are refining us and making us better, Lord. I thank you that you are here, Lord. That every expectation we bring to you, God, we say, God, move in our lives, move in our hearts, however you do it, however it looks. I know that you know best that we trust you with everything, God. We trust you with every part of our life. We thank you, God, for what you're doing in this house. We thank you, God, for what you're doing in every family, and every heart, Lord. I feel the spirit of fear right now, God. The spirit of fear is leaving somebody in the name of Jesus, God. The spirit of fear is breaking down, is tearing off, chains are falling off in the name of Jesus. That person, God, will not leave the same, God. We will leave different, Lord, because your spirit changes us, God. And your spirit is alive and active, Lord. and we. Leave leave here knowing that we are free that we are free in you God we thank you Jesus we thank you Jesus in Jesus name amen amen thank
1: you Jesus thank you. now let's all put a smile on your face cuz there's no reason to leave church depressed uh, the, the, that's I love her point, and there were so many. I took like five pages of notes because I, I'm, I'm a connoisseur. I, I love to, to hear the word of God preached. I've, I, the, this year in November will be my 20th year in full-time ministry. And if there's one thing I've learned in 20 years of full-time ministry, I haven't learned enough. And you you my, my grandfather, who's my third-generation pastor, my great-grandfather is my fourth-generation pastor who started this for me. Every time they mentor me, they say, hey. I feel like I'm in the kindergarten room again. I feel like I'm learning it all over again and and starting all over again and learning something fresh again. Because when Allie talked about these, this life of frustration, that I'd rather live a life that has a little frustration than go for a life with no hope and expect. Oh man. I I was like, okay, Allie, preach it girl, preach it girl, write it down. I'm going to take notes because I get to leave here because Dead people love to surround themselves around dead things. They, they attracted dead churches, dead people, dead places. They love to go around boring dead people. But life-giving people, people who love life and passion, they love finding a life-giving church, a life-giving group, a life-giving friend. And so you get to be around life-giving people and leave here today saying, Oh, I'm alive. I'm alive today. I'm alive today. I'm happy today because I'm a part of something that's giving me life. Oh, man, we could just have church all night. Tomorrow night... I want to speak just to the ladies. So all my young ladies, all my mature ladies, uh, wherever you're at on the spectrum, be here tomorrow night. Let's pack it out because I want to talk to you. I'm going to go from Allie's expectation to creating an environment of a favorable atmosphere for you. And so because anything can happen in a favorable environment for you. And so I want you to be here tomorrow night as I preach my heart out because God has downloaded a fresh word from heaven. Just for the ladies people always like to talk about if you save the man you'll save the family and i think that's wonderful but everywhere i read in scripture if the woman gets changed the whole city comes to jesus if the woman gets on fire the whole town comes out men are good something about women are great I'm just here to tell you, you got to be here tomorrow night. It's going to be incredible, 6 to 8. But I want to just speak this blessing and declaration with you tonight as we dismiss. And then I want you to have an incredible evening. Drive home safe, rest well, and get your rest because tomorrow night we're going to have church. All right, here we go. I am a bridge builder. This is my season of favor. I am blessed to live my best. I will choose to love Him first. I will worship fully, love deeply, and my community will thrive because I am praying for it. I am a carrier of peace. I will represent the acceptance to myself and others. I will live out His gospel. I am blessed to live my best because I am a bridge builder. Amen. God bless you, Bridge. Love you. We are so glad that you joined us today. If you made a spiritual decision today, whether that be dedicating your life to Christ for the first time or rededicating your life to Christ, email us at info at wearebridge.church and let us know you made that spiritual decision.
0: Also, if you are joining our Bridge Church online family for the very first time, we have a special gift for you. Email us at info at wearebridge.church to share some information so we can get that gift out to you.
1: We're so happy that you joined us today and we can't wait to see you soon. Make sure to stay connected because we are so much better together.